Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first Wednesday. Y'all having a good time so far? Yeah. Worshiping God. <laughs> Chillaxin'. I want to do a very simple message tonight. I want to answer the question, what does it take to be saved? Right? What's this? Simple? Yeah. It's fairly simple. On the other hand, maybe it's not as simple as we think. What does it really take? I want to take a look at it tonight. Obviously, you want to go to the Bible, right? The Bible talks about being saved. Let's use that as our guiding, <laughs> our, our measuring stick, if you will. Uh, you know, if you don't use the Bible as your measuring stick for spiritual things, you'll fall all over the map, right? Do you know that there are, in the state of Wisconsin, and this is virtually in any state, virtually in any c culture in the world, there is an, uh, a bureaucracy called weights and measures. And these are people who just make sure that a gallon is a gallon. And then an ounce is an ounce, and a pound is a pound, and they're always going and checking. Because without it, it becomes unjust. You know, if you go to a gas station and you think you're putting in a gallon, you're only putting in three quarters of a gallon, <laughs> you're getting ripped off. All right, they're always checking these things. They're always coming in, they're measuring things and making sure if you're weighing things, they gotta make sure that you're little measuring thing, whatever, is exactly according to the standard. Because if there's no standard, everything goes crazy, right? And in the end, there's no justice. So for in spiritual things, as Christians, our standard is the Bible. Uh, more and more people, sadly, seem to be pushing away from that, and they're just kind of making things up. You know, well, I know the Bible says that, but I think, <laughs> really? <laughs> Must be brilliant to be so smart, you know. Forget what thousands of years of religious experience have shown us. I think it's this way. And then you get all jacked up and you get all messed up all over the place. So let's go to the Bible to take a look at what uh, it takes to be saved. Now, ooh, ooh, ooh. can you hear that? Thank you. Give our son man a hand. Yeah. Yeah. I got the attention span of a fly. You can't do that. All right, so here we go. For God so loved the world. Jesus said this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what? Believe. Believes. Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So number one, you know that you have to believe. We see this throughout the New Testament when they're telling people to turn to God. We see it in Acts, the uh, 16th chapter. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. In fact, what had happened here is Paul and Silas were in prison. And at midnight, they're singing praises to God. All the prisoners are listening to them thinking, these guys got to be crazy because they had a really rough day. They had the, you know, got arrested. They got the snot beat out of them. They should be moaning and groaning. Where, God? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? No, 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 no. They're singing and worshiping God at midnight in this filthy, smelly, awful place after getting all this punishment, and miraculously, boom, uh, they got set free from their chains, the doors were open. Well, as soon as the guard saw it, he reached for his sword to kill himself because they were very, very strict. If you're in charge of the prisoners, because he thought all the prisoners had escaped, and they escape, you want to kill yourself because when these guys get a hold of you, it's not going to be pretty. They will find, and these are brutal times, they would find the slowest, most miserable, most horrible way you could possibly die and put you through it for letting these people get away. So right away, this guy reaches for his sword. He's going to kill himself. 
And Paul said, no, no, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. And of course, he had been hearing the singing and the worshiping and all this happened. All of a sudden, these guys walk out free. And uh, finally, the guy looks at uh, Paul and Silas, you know, because uh, they took him uh, in and they washed their wounds and stuff like that. And I said, what do I have to do to be saved? How do I have to be saved? What can I do to be saved? And then they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. So there again, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Uh, you and your household. Now, I take a different twist on this verse from the vast majority of evangelicals that I've heard speak on this verse. Uh, what they think, this is a promise that if you get saved, your whole family will get saved. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's saying, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household, he's talking to all these people. It'd be like, Bob says, well, how can I get saved? Well, you, if you do this, you get saved, and, and you guys can get saved. Anybody wants to do this. You can't get saved for other people. Are you hearing me? You say, you mean I can't pray and believe God to save my family? Of course you can. But pray and believe God to change your family. This is not a promise that just because you get saved, everyone in your family is going to get saved. Not to depress anyone. You can still pray for your family. You should indeed pray for your family and diligently and intensely. But there is not this promise. And even, uh, you know, to take this, really to be biblical, you have to find two or three scriptures to back up anything that you're saying. You can't just take one scripture or you'll find up yourself in all kinds of trouble. So uh, that's not what he's talking about. He's just saying, if you want to be, be saved, believe, and you can be saved. So if this is all we had in the Bible, you would think all I got to do is believe. Now, the problem here is there are millions of people in America who think they're just fine because they believe, right? That's all it takes. I just believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. It doesn't change their life. They can still live like hell, <laughs> do all kinds of terrible, horrible things, never seek after God in any way, shape, or form, but they are convinced they're okay because they believe, all right? Well, if that was the only scripture, then we could say, well, yeah, that's, that's all you got to do. I've actually had people say that to me. I remember when I was a young Christian, one guy told me, he says, you know, this is so powerful. If someone just so much as thinks about Jesus for a second, they're saved. And I went, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? Obviously, that's not true. But that's the extreme of just taking the one standard. So it takes more than believing. Uh, in Romans, we see this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, now we got a, something else added. There's the idea of believing, but then speaking out what you believe. Uh, Verse 10 says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there has to be an active profession uh, of faith here. And if we just had those two, okay, that's all you got to do is just, just say it. But there's lots of people who've said it and who believe and still are pretty jacked up because that's not all there is. Uh, Jesus says, um, oh, by the way, this idea of uh, speaking it out is more than just saying, I believe, it's about professing faith. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew, the 10th chapter, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So there's this idea in, in, in the Christian faith that you need to be able to speak your faith and in front of other people. You need to identify with God, identify with Christ. Well, see, it's kind of embarrassing. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It doesn't really matter. We need to do it. You know, we need to profess our faith. Uh, it's one of the things that we do uh, in baptism. We're gonna have some people, how many people get baptized tonight? We got two people get baptized tonight. Okay, very nice. Uh, what they're going to be doing is standing before everyone and professing their faith, uh, which is a good thing. You need to profess your faith. If you hide your faith from people, if you never let anyone you know that you work with or any of your friends that you spend with and, and the people that you're closest to that you are, in fact, a devout Christian and identify with Jesus Christ, you know, you are hiding and you're not supposed to be hiding. Whoever acknowledges me before others, um, will also acknowledge my Father in heaven, uh, but whoever disowns me for others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So there's this thing about speaking and declaring and identifying with Jesus. Uh, but then we have more than that. Then Mark 16, Jesus says, well, whoever believes and is baptized. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Well, I thought it was just whoever believes. Well, I thought it was whoever believes and identifies and speaks out their, their faith. But no, there's another aspect to it. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. Peter writes about this in his uh, message to the uh, church. He says, this water symbolizes baptism uh, that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body. This isn't a quick bath they're going to have tonight. So, so, I hope you've removed any dirt before you get in there, but it is what it is. Uh, it's but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's a real strong statement about the importance of baptism. Peter said to the crowd in the second chapter of Acts, he says, repent and be baptized. Well now, wait a minute. <laughs> now there's a fourth thing thrown in there. Repent. What do you mean repent? What does that mean? It means to turn away from what is wrong and turn to God and do what is right. A change. Okay? There needs to be a change. Well, you see, we're already getting in deep water here because the people who just believe, they're in trouble. <laughs> Right? They haven't been baptized. They haven't really told anybody they're a follower of Christ. And they certainly haven't repented. They're still doing the same things over and over again. But they're convinced that they're okay because they believe, you see. Uh, so interesting there. Now there's this idea you need to repent. You need to turn away from what you know you're doing is wrong and turn to God. And most people unless you have a completely broken conscience, have a pretty good sense of what is wrong. Uh, and if you're not, the more you read the Bible, the more you'll start to learn what you ought not to do and learn what you're supposed to be doing. You know, there's two kinds of sins. There's sins of omission and sins of commission. There's sins that we commit and other sins we commit by not doing it. All right? So there's this idea of repenting. Uh, we see it again in Acts, the third chapter. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out is important for being saved, that times of refreshing may come uh, from the Lord. And then we have another thing that's added in the New Testament referring to salvation. Jesus talked about it. He says, you will be hated by everyone because of me. 
a very general statement. You know, there's all kinds of people that don't hate me because of my faith, but there is a big portion of the world that does. They will hate you. You will run into people like this that will hate you and despise you. It will make you not want to identify with Jesus, which is not to confess him before men. <laughs> That's what it is. Jesus said, blessed are you when people will persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil things about you uh, because of your faith. Blessed are you when that happens. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Jump for joy when this happens. Because there's this element that when you identify, but the problem is because there is this negative connotation sometimes of letting people know what you believe, we tend to clam up and then we don't confess him before people, but we think we're okay because we've done one of these others at least. We believed or we were baptized or whatever. You see what I'm saying? So we get, we, we get into this thing of cherry picking of what we think is all, all that is necessary. He says, you'll be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. <sighs> all right, so now what do we got here? Uh, and we see this again, Matthew 24, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We read it in other parts of the New Testament or the Gospel where Jesus said it's the one who holds on to the end who will be saved. So now we've got all these things. So which is it? Which is it? Is it believing in your heart? Is that all that you got to do? Is it saying it with your mouth? Is that all you got to do? Is it repenting? Is turning over a new leaf, as it were? Is that all you got to do? Getting baptized? Okay, I've been baptized. Is all you got to do? Is it just hanging on to the very end? And the answer is yes. All of it. You got to do all of it. And we're famous for not doing all of it. And it just depends on what religious crowd you hang with uh, is what emphasize one or two of these things, and they don't emphasize all of them. Uh, for example, believing in your heart. We talk about that a lot of people, as long as they believe, you know, do you believe in God in surveys? Oh, I believe in God. You know, they think that's, that's all that matters. You know, well, you know, someone said they believed. Well, it really takes more than that. Um, this idea about saying it with your mouth, evangelicals have been famous about that. We have spent hundreds of millions of dollars just trying to get people to repeat the, Lord's, the, the sinner's prayer. We have. Man, I'm over the decades, man, all the big evangelists, everything, just, just repeat this prayer after me. You just repeat this prayer right now. You will be saved. No, you might be, depending on where your heart is, if you're truly believing, if you're willing to turn away from sin, turn to God, if you're willing to follow after Christ and hang on to this to the end. I mean, this has been an obsession of ours, quite frankly. I can't tell you the number of churches I've been where you know, people come forward and they haven't repeated the prayer. Well, now that you're saved, always oh, creeps me out. Some will actually say, we do it all the time in our church services on Sunday morning. We repeat a prayer with people so they can speak out and take that first step of faith. And for people who are really getting it, they are encountering Christ and are getting saved. But just because you say that doesn't mean you're saved. And you'll notice we never, I never pronounce anyone saved. You repeat a prayer with me, I'm like, well, no, you're saved. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know anything. All I know is I talked to you in a praying with me. Repeating after me. I mean, people, you know how many people repeat this prayer in our services every Sunday who have no idea what we're doing? <laughs> it's a significant amount. I had a guy come into my office once and said, I need to meet with you. All right. I always feel fat, bad for people who are about to meet with me, but you know, you know, you know. <laughs> you shouldn't, don't get what they're expect, you know, expecting. But anyway, so he comes in and says, 
I said, what can I do? He said, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. I said, okay. I need you to pray with me. Okay, I'll do that. Haven't you been coming here for a couple of years? Yeah. Almost every Sunday. Well, don't you pray that prayer with us at the end? Of every time. But now you want to, yeah, now I want to give my heart to Jesus. Yeah. Because he knew. He had never surrendered his heart. And, you know, he, I guess he didn't want to do a church. He wanted to take him with the top guy, get closer to God. I don't know what the deal was, but anyway. So I, I just basically said the prayer with him that we say with everybody. And, and, and he surrendered his heart and gave his life to Christ. And yeah, that's how you get saved. So just because you say stuff. You know, I hear people say, you know, I think they're okay because I heard him say the sinner's prayer. Like, I know we're desperate to make sure everybody think, you know, that everybody's okay. And it's good. We should have a passion for souls, have a passion for people, care for people that they encounter Christ. But just because they do a few things doesn't necessarily mean that's what uh, has happened. And again, if there's one thing that the evangelical community has been obsessed about, obsessed about for 75 years at least, it's just getting people to repeat the prayer. And they'll print them in books, in tracts, and just say this prayer and on radio stations. I've heard it, you know, just repeat this prayer after me, dear Jesus. And now that you're saved, we want you to just write in and get a box, you know, some things from us and stuff. And I just, I just go, talk about, we're overemphasizing just one of these things. Uh, what about the repenting? Uh, one of the problems, if you only uh, do the, oh, wait, I skipped one, saying it with your mouth. Uh, a lot of people think just because they say something or say, I'm a Christian or something like that, that's enough and really haven't done anything else. They'll boldly say, yes, I, I'm a Christian. They, they're not ashamed of it. They'll admit it, but they've never really surrendered their hearts at all. I mean, that's not enough. Then you got people who, the repenting thing, just turning over a new leaf in and of itself is no guarantee of salvation. A lot of people have turned over a new leaf. But, you know, there's tons of people who are addicts and all kinds of stuff, and they've, in a sense, repented in their lives. They were doing crazy, and they stopped and started doing sanity. But that's not a gear. See, the problem with that is if you emphasize that too much, you can actually start thinking, well, we, I kind of earned my way to heaven. You're talking about? If I stop doing bad things and do more good things, then this is going to earn points for me, and that's how I get into heaven. And that's, that's, not, that's not what it's about. Nobody can earn their way into heaven. It's impossible no matter how good you are. Uh, you know, there's just no way to do it. Then you've got that verse about, that says, you know, we are saved through baptism. Well, you know who hangs on to all that are the old line churches, <laughs> Catholics, Lutherans, you know, whatever, because they're convinced because you get saved when you're baptized. And there is one verse that actually says that. But it can't be just that. It can't, there's, man, you know how many people in Wisconsin think they're okay because they got baptized. And I think just that in and of itself is what grants salvation. And of course, then you've got the idea of being baptized as a baby, which, you know, we're not looking for a fight peace, okay. But, uh, you know, it's, they didn't even start doing that until several hundred years after Christianity gets started because uh, uh, your lifespan was very short. I don't know what the infant mortality rate was in the 2,000 years ago, but it was bad. Okay, your chance of living to 10 wasn't very good at all. I mean, you know. Um, in fact, it, it's kind of interesting if you read some of these books. Uh, historically, uh, people really didn't get that close to their children. 
They didn't want to. Because chances are they would die from the flu or I mean, all kinds of stuff that we take for granted today because we have great medicine. Thank God. You know, I wouldn't be here, I don't think. <laughs> Some of the stuff I had, I had my appendix out once. Appendix. That thing would have burst. I'd have been dead. You know, something like that happened all the time, you know. Of course, when I had mine back out in the 1800s, now they do these operations, a little tiny mark like this, and they go in and take some, it's amazing. I look like I was in a gang fight. <laughs> Seriously, I won't gross you out and show it to you, but I get a, like, wow, what was that? That was my appendix. They went in, you know, and went in, tried to find it, you know, but, uh, so people got really concerned. Well, uh, well how, do my, how do my kids get to heaven? And realize that the Bible basically teaches that your faith covers your children until your children are old enough to make their own decision. There was no need to start baptizing babies to save them. And so anyway, that's, that's why everyone anywhere in the Bible who ever got saved was an adult or ever baptized. There's no record of a baby ever being baptized in the Bible. Zero results, not a none. Uh, even historically, again, it was hundreds of years later before they even started doing it. And there again, you, you can't get saved for somebody else and you can't have somebody else get you saved when you don't even know what's going on. Unless you're a really intelligent two-month-old. You don't know what's going on. All you know is you want to eat and poop. That's it. That's all you know. So they're convinced, well, because, you know, and they'll say, well, the, you know, the Bible says right there. Yeah, it does right there. And then, of course, a lot of evangelicals take the other side of it. They think, well, it doesn't really matter if you're baptized. It goes both ways. The thing is, is, you can't cherry pick. You can't do this. We need to take, if we're going to believe the Bible, we've got to believe the Bible. And the reality is, what do you got to do? You got to do all of it. You should be doing all of it. You should, you need to believe. You need to say it with your mouth, pray it out. You need to uh, be able to confess Jesus before other people. You need to turn away from what's wrong. wrong. You need to follow them in baptism. We've got a couple people doing that tonight. God bless them. All of this stuff is important. And you need to, finish this thing out he that endures until the end right uh, you can't just give up uh, and, and I promise you the devil is going to do everything he can to make sure you don't walk this out even if you're in a really good place tonight if you're in a really good place tonight you know pay attention you know there's warnings in the New Testament. People say, we don't have to worry about it. Well, then why are the warnings in the New Testament? You need to finish this out. Beware of the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he won't devour me. Well, not yet. He waits until you're a little weak, a little tired. He looks at you, you're a morsel to him. And what he will do is bring some traumatic event into your life. He's waiting for one major traumatic event to get you to give up on your faith. And sadly for a lot of people that's all it takes. One really bad thing to happen to you. Now, you say, did God do that? You know, I, I don't buy into the thinking that everything that happens on earth is God. It's, it's just an absurd concept. You know, there's an earthquake somewhere, a bunch of people go, why did God do that? Well, God didn't do that. Why did it happen? Because there was an earthquake. Why was it an earthquake? Because sometimes the earth shifts. 
Why'd the buildings fall? Because they were made out of garbage. You know, in some countries that doesn't take much. Some countries just lean against the wall and it'll fall over. I mean, it's bad. So these things collapse and, and people get killed. You know, why did so-and-so die in a car wreck? I don't really fall asleep at the wheel. Did some other guy fall? Some drunk guy slam? That wasn't God. Everybody's point. Why did God? That's not the way this works. It's called free will. Everybody say free will. You know, if I walk up and punch Tracy right in the face, that wasn't God. And what he'll do in response, probably ain't the Lord either. I've got to tell you right now. You know, that's, that's my free will. I, I did something to him. You know, why God did that happen? It's not. I'm, I'm telling you, it happens to people all kinds of faith. There's young teenage girls. They're giving up their faith in Jesus because their boyfriend dumped them. Why'd God let that happen? You're irritating? I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you got bad breath? I have no idea. God didn't have anything to do with it. It's amazing how we ignore God until something bad happens and we point fingers at God. All the unbelievers love to <laughs> I see it in the press all the time. They don't believe in Jesus anymore than the man in the moon, but they love to get a preacher on and say, well, why did God let that happen? God didn't let anything happen. This is, that's why there's going to be a judgment day, people. We all have to be responsible for our own actions and the actions of evil. Now you can pray that God will protect. I think you want to pray intensely that God will protect you and keep you from crazy out there. I do. Man, go on a trip, I pray God keep us safe. I hope the pilot had a good night's sleep <laughs> and didn't get hammered on the way to work. Which happens, by the way. It's a little creepy thought. You know, or hopefully the mechanic didn't leave his wrench inside the jet engine. You know, little things like that. You want to pray. And if he does, then your engine's going to go out. You ever been in a plane where the engine went out? Anybody? I have. Yeah. Big jet going out of Chicago. All of a sudden, the wind just stopped. Well, this isn't good. <laughs> The good news is they're designed to fly on just one engine. I was flying a plane myself once, a little plane. One of the engines went out. Dad'll wake you up. Seriously. You're going along. That wakes you up real fast. One of the things about flying, flying is like 99% pure boredom, being a pilot, and 1% sheer pandemonium. It is. I mean, one thing goes, oh, man, they got, you know, so the whole time you're up there, you're really working hard trying to stay awake. And autopilots don't help. <laughs> right? You push a button, it'll take you wherever you're doing. You're... So you stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. I'm struggling to stay awake. All of a sudden, yee, 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 boy, was I awake. That thing flapping in the wind. <laughs> this was not good. So I had to land it in Milwaukee, a little emergency landing. Did it perfectly because I'm a fabulous pilot. So anyway, why, why did God let that happen? I think God let it happen. I thank God there were two engines. Thank God I was in a place where I could land a thing. Thank God I knew how to land a thing. You know. What am I talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, standing in your faith till the very end. So don't let some event, because I'm telling you, you think you're okay. There's one thing in dealing with eternal beings. They are really patient. Are you hearing me? Even God, God is really patient. You remember the children of Israel out in the wilderness? They're just, 
they whined and complained. They came out of Egypt and just moaned and groaned and belly ached. Complained, I bought everything. God, if I, we want to go back to you. God said, oh God, I've had it. So you're not even going to the promised land. You're next generation. He just waited them out 40 years. They died off. You think you're going to hold God out? You're going to be stubborn. <laughs> you're a little, <laughs> there's nothing to God. But not only that, but also to the devil. He wants to destroy your life. The fact that you're faithfully here tonight is a great sign. But be vigilant, the Bible says. Why? He's very patient. He's going to wait for a time when you aren't feeling so good, when things aren't great, when you're sick as a dog, when somebody really hurts you, someone you really love turns around and sticks a knife in your heart. That's what he's waiting for. He tries to pounce on you, get you to give up on your faith. Oh, I was, yeah, I believed in God. I did all these things for 20 years, and then my cat died, and that was it for me. Not to minimize, some people, a lot worse things than their cat happened, but I mean, Whatever horrible thing happens, you still, you don't give up. One of the things about the faith is you don't give up. If you're going to do this, you do it. And you do it with intensity. And you make your decision right now, I will not give up. You ever ask yourself, gee, what would you do if somebody put a gun to your head? Said, deny Jesus or blow your brains out. You know when you make that decision, what you do? Now. You make it now. I'm not going to deny Jesus. I'm going to get a bullet in the head, you know. Good news is the bullet goes in so fast, my brain can't feel it. So wake up dead. Go to heaven. Hallelujah. Seriously, I mean, you, you make these decisions ahead of time. You make a determination. I will serve you. I'm going to serve God. I don't care who it associates me with. I don't care who it separates me from. I don't care what my mommy does to me. I don't care what my daddy does to me. I don't care what my cousins, my uncles, or anybody else does to me. My close Christian whatever, whatever I'll go through, life is hard, and at times there'll be hurts and pains and stuff, but one thing, it will not change. It will not change my faith. I choose to follow Christ. I choose to do the right thing. It's a decision I made, and I have this attitude that this needs to be finished out. It needs to be taken to the end. He that holds out to the end is the one that will be said. So you can do all this stuff and amazingly give up on it all. And that's what the enemy's waiting for. So, you know, be vigilant, be careful. But let us realize that we need to do it all. We need to do it all. Let's not oversimplify salvation. And that's, uh, you know, you need to believe, yes. You need to proclaim it, yes. You need to repent, yes. You need to pro profess another people in front of people, yes. You need to get baptized, Pastor, I need to get baptized, yes. And all those questions, oh, do I really need to? Yeah. Yeah, you need to do all these things because all of this is in the scripture and you jump around you get bits and pieces of it and that's why you need to read the Bible to get an overall view but all of these things all of these things are tied to the phrase of forgiving sins or of being saved and so that's what we're going to celebrate tonight um, with our people are the people at the are the campuses are connecting right now I only work I don't even know why I work here hi Stevens Point Appleton I don't know what's going on anybody getting baptized over there no, you're not, we don't know what's going on here, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so we have two over here that are going to get baptized, and they're going to take that, also that, that step, okay? And it's important. And, I, and sometimes we don't talk about this enough. Speaking of Stephen's point, I love you guys, but some of y'all are rascals. <laughs> some of y'all, I knew you for 10 years before you got baptized, and they finally got baptized. What were you waiting for, you know? 
But again, there's this casualness. Well, well, I believe it doesn't really. I'm telling you, we got to do it all. We need to be serious about this stuff. We need to understand what the Bible says we need to do, and we need to do it. And by the way, if you haven't done this yet, you need to do it. Talk to your campus pastor. Man, I want to do this. The Bible says I need to do it. You need to do it. And instead of trying to argue, cherry pick, well, I did this, but I'm not going to do that. You can't do it. Christianity is not a smorgasbord. You don't just get to pick and choose. We're kind of in a pick and choose generation. Choices. Everybody has choices. Sometimes there are too many choices. <laughs> like you go to buy toilet paper. How can there be so many different kinds of toilet paper? Personal preference, Personal preference for what? <laughs> it's like 30 different brands. Soft, strong, in between. No, I'll take sandpaper. I mean, I don't know, what is this? You know, all this. I had, a, I had a friend actually came from, uh, I forget what country he's from. But it wasn't like that where he came from. And uh, being in the States stressed him out to no end. He says, just going to the grocery store, he would just be a wreck. He said, I go to the, go to the restaurant. I, I want a steak and a potato. What kind of potato? Just a potato. <laughs> Do you want twice mashed? Do you want fried? Do you want... He's like, <gasps> he was so stressed. It was hilarious talking to him. All these choices we have, all right? Well, I enjoy the choices by and large, except for the toilet paper aisle. And, uh, and I like we have all these choices, but you, we can't do that with our faith. You can't go to the Bible and pick out stuff you like because the people do that, you know. Some people have the scissors version of the Bible. You know, they cut out the parts they don't like, throw them away. They just go to all the verses they like and ignore the ones that they don't like. No, we, we, we embrace it all, all of it. Parts, of the vast majority of it is fabulous and wonderful, but there's hard parts. There's difficult parts, you know. Loving people, <laughs> that's a little hard. <laughs> Forgiving people, it's hard to forgive people because I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> and apparently that's not good. So I, I have to forgive them. And I don't want to forgive them until I read where Jesus says, if you won't forgive them, God won't forgive you. Like, I want to forgive them, you know, because I don't want that hitting me, right? All these things, some things are a real challenge. But uh, you want to do the right things. Get the overview. Let's just embrace all of it and say, let's serve God with all of our hearts. And, uh, and then we're going to go to our baptismal time. Do I say goodbye to the campuses now? I don't know. <laughs> Welcome, Pastor Bob, back to the platform. All right, well, we've got a couple people being baptized, and uh, Pastor Lathan and Pastor Joe are going to be doing that, so let's give them a hand as they head on over there. If you're being baptized, you can head over that direction. Uh, band, you can come out, and uh, you can play along with us as we baptize, and uh, I just want to let you know that every first Wednesday, we will have baptisms available, so if you've not been baptized, next uh, the next Wednesday service we have in October, that could be your night, you know, and uh, the music's a little loud, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> but it's cool like that. Uh, but but maybe, maybe October's your, your night um, to be baptized and uh, where you can, with uh, all of us, celebrate the life change that's taken place inside of you. And uh, we're super excited for these two being baptized tonight. And uh, following in Jesus' example, Jesus was baptized, and it was such a moment. Uh, 
We had the picture of the Trinity, that God the Father was there and spoke, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and Jesus was baptized, and God said, this is, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, and we're well pleased in these men and women being baptized here tonight. So uh, let's, let's enjoy that, and uh, before you leave, we're going to have an offering. We're going to close on another song, uh, but let's, let's enjoy them being baptized here tonight. salvation in his heart and life that you would bless him and strengthen him we cover him in prayer right now and we now baptize him according to his faith in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit some praise god let's give god some praise here tonight God, we thank you for life change taking place. Ushers, you can come forward. We're going to also take an offering. You can stand up with us. And uh, before you leave, we're going to pass the offering buckets. We're going to do one more song together and just give God some praise here tonight and worship him one more time before we dismiss. But thanks for coming to First Wednesdays. And uh, if you'd like to give tonight, uh, you can do it online. You can do it through a text message or just... Uh, when the bucket passes here in just a moment. Let's pray. God, we lift up our giving to you. We're, we worship you with our giving. God, we give you all of us. God, we thank you for your word that challenged us here tonight, uh, that we got to give it all to you. We got to give you every part of us, that we need to confess it, that we need to be baptized, that we need uh, to be with you, Lord, until the end. And uh, no matter what challenge comes our way, God, I pray that we would stick with you until the end. Thank you, God, that you're patient with us. We give you praise. Bless this offering and those that give here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <laughs>